page 822 in the Pew Bible. The Word of God from Mark. People were bringing children to Jesus so that he would bless them, but the disciples scolded them. When Jesus saw this, he grew angry and said to them, Allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them, because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. Then he hugged the children and blessed them. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Before I start the sermon this morning, I would like to take a moment to offer a pastoral word in the wake of the events in Washington, D.C. this past week. Many of us are aware of the proceedings surrounding the confirmation of a Supreme Court nominee and the extraordinary circumstances from the hearing last Thursday. What I want to share with you is in no way intended to be a political or partisan statement, but a word of pastoral concern and love. We're aware that many people who are survivors of sexual assault have had the pain of their past memories triggered by the events on Capitol Hill, and many have reached out for ministerial and psychological support throughout the country. And so for anyone in the congregation today or worshiping from a distance, male or female, who has been the victim of sexual violence, I would ask that you not let the dysfunction of our political systems or the brokenness of this world dissuade you from speaking your truth. Your voice, your life, your heart, your pain, all of it deserves to be heard. And you do not need a male like myself to give you that permission. But we do need all of us, women and men, to stand in solidarity with you and with anyone who is living with the long haunting shadow of past trauma of no fault of your own. As I've consulted with the five other clergy in this congregation, I can speak on behalf of all of us to let you know that we are here to listen, to offer pastoral care in a safe space, and to direct you to any resources that you might need. You are loved. You are not alone. You are a child of God. And let everyone who agrees with this say amen. amen. Let us pray. O oh God, we acknowledge the brokenness of this world and the pain in our hearts. Open our minds and our eyes to the receiving of your spirit that we might see this upside-down world righted by your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You were born seeing the world upside down. 
I don't know if you knew that. You may remember from your biology classes in school how the human eyeball works. When light enters into the pupil of our eyes, the lenses in our eyeballs actually invert the image of what we see and project onto the back of our eyes, onto the optic nerve, an inversion of the world around us. Our brain then takes that inverted message from our optic nerve and re-inverts them right side up in order to help us make sense of what we're looking at. But when we were born, our brains were still developing. They were still being trained to process all of these pieces of information. And it's not usually until after a few days after a baby is born that the brain eventually figures out how to invert those inverted images so that when a baby first opens up his or her beautiful little eyes, their brains don't know any better. And when they look at you, and when they look at me, and see the world around them, everything looks upside down. No wonder they cry so much. <laughs> now you can imagine how disorienting life would be if you spent the rest of your life without your brains ever learning to reinvert the images. In other words, how awful it would be if every single day you saw the world upside down. At the very least, it would be unsettling. At the very most, it would be downright scary. But the Gospels pose for us this morning this tremendously provocative question for us to ponder today. They would have us ask the question, what if, what if we have always actually seen the world upside down, whether we realize it or not, and that Jesus wants us to see the world right side up. In other words, what if everything we had thought we had known, the way that we lived, the words we speak, the things that we do, what if the way we view the world, the way we see God and ourselves and our relationship with everyone was actually an inversion of the way that God wants us to live. And what if the provocative message of Jesus is that he wants us to set things right side up, even if that means unsettling us a little bit? Well, that would be a little scary. In fact, that would be a little crazy. But that is exactly what he does. In a, in a matter of just one chapter in the Gospel of Mark, just one chapter in the entire Gospel, 50 verses, that's all it takes for him to take this upside-down world that we have always seen as normal and bring it right side up again. That is the basis of our new worship series called The Upside-Down Life. Where for the next four weeks, by the end of October, we will have gone through each of these 50 verses in Mark chapter 10. And each time, we will experience the provocative, remarkable, paradigm-shifting, world-inverting, counter-cultural message of Jesus that he offers to us today. And what a timely message it is. Each and every one of these Sundays upcoming will have a timely message for us. 
In a world where power is measured by the influence that one accrues, Jesus says this, the first will be last and the last will be first. That's verses 17 to 31. That's the subject of next Sunday's sermon. In a world where greatness is totally antithetical to humility and servanthood, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. He says that in verses 35 to 45, which we will cover two weeks from now. And at the very end of our series, we will describe a world that seems gripped by darkness in which Jesus comes to bring sight to bring light to the blindness of our ways, verses 46 to 52. By the end of this series, and by the end of every sermon, it will be like you have been handed a pair of inversion goggles as your brain and your spirit can be retrained to see the world that is upside down, right side up again, just as God intends it. And it all begins today in verses 13 to 16 in a passage of scripture that I think is one of the most shocking, unsettling, and disturbing things that Jesus ever said in his whole public ministry. But it's a sneaky text because on the surface, we don't first recognize just how provocative it is. Just to set the scene again, Jesus was out in public doing his regular ministry of teaching and healing and public ministry. When parents all of a sudden came from all sorts of places to bring their children to him in order for him to, quote, bless their children. That's the word that Mark uses here. Parents bringing their children for a blessing from Jesus. And as we hear this, we imagine this beautiful, tender, cute, adorable little scene unfolding. It's as if Mark takes a break from his usual storytelling in order to have Jesus give a little children's sermon right in the middle of the story. We imagine Jesus pulling up a little stool, sitting on the ground as children gather at his feet, and he pulls a little object lesson out of a paper bag, because they always come out of paper bags, and he starts asking the children questions, and little hands shoot up into the air to answer every one of Jesus's questions and for every question the kids answer well Jesus it's you because as you know the answer to every children's sermon question is Jesus so they point at him and the and the parents pull out their smartphones and they take little pictures and they do little selfies and they post them on Instagram and it's this beautiful Norman Rockwell cute adorable poignant moment except that's not what this is if you dig into this text, that is not what is happening at all. First of all, the word that Mark uses to describe what Jesus is doing with these children is the word bless. But the Greek word here is so much deeper than that. When you think of the word bless, you might imagine Jesus simply taking his hand and making the sign of a cross on the kids' foreheads. That's not what's happening here. When you think of the word bless, you might think of Jesus simply uttering a beautiful little prayer on the heads of each one of these children. That's not what's happening here. The Greek word for bless here is the word hoptomai, which can also be translated as ignite or 
unleash. It's the same word that the other gospel writers use whenever someone lights a candle. They hoptimize it. They set it aflame. They break forth its light. They unleash its potential. When you light a candle, you hoptimize it. You release its potential and you set it on fire. See, what these parents were asking Jesus to do was not to just have some cute little photo op moment with their kids. They were asking Jesus to ignite their potential, to elevate their status, to amplify their dignity and their worth. Now, why is that important? Because it is utterly countercultural to the Roman world. The Roman world was built on a power structure, a hierarchy in which the people who had all the power were on top. And that started, of course, with Caesar and all the government officials, the proconsul, the senate, all the military officials, the soldiers and centurions, all the way down to the bottom. And who do you suppose was at the bottom rung of the Roman hierarchy of power? If you guessed the slaves, that would be a good guess, but it wasn't the slaves. If you assumed it was the women, given the patriarchal times, that would be a good guess, but it wasn't the women. The very bottom rung of the power structure of the Roman world were the children. Unwanted children were abandoned. Many children were bought and sold, treated as commodities. Even healthy children did not have full rights in and of themselves. They were at the bottom. And so imagine the disciples seeing this scene unfolding with the parents bringing their children to Jesus and them seeing that scene through the filter of their Roman power hierarchy goggles. They were seeing a world that they thought was right side up. Power people at the top children at the bottom and you can imagine their response Jesus come on Jesus you you have no obligation you have no expectation to spend any time at all with these children they have no power they don't deserve your attention or they might have been saying Jesus come on we're wasting our time here after all our journey is toward the top we're trying to topple the power structures of Rome we have no time to spend with these children let's move on And so now Mark has us exactly where he wants us. He has set the stage for Jesus to say one of the most provocative, upending, countercultural things he ever said in his entire public ministry. He said, Let these children come to me, do not prevent them. Because to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. And you might imagine at that very moment, 12 jaws just dropping to the ground. As the disciples' eyes just widened and the crowds were stunned in silence. And the disciples were thinking to themselves, what in the world is this guy thinking? I mean, it's one thing to spend time and give attention to the powerless among us, but then to say that it's to these 
that the riches of the kingdom would be opened and unleashed? This great God, this mighty God, does not belong to the rich and the powerful and the influential, but to these at the bottom? It was in that moment that Jesus took the entire cultural hierarchy of the Roman power structure and flipped it upside down. Now, there are a lot of ways that you might extract an application of this text to your life today. One of the ways that we might consider this text is in light of a call to care for the children today, for the children of this community and this country and of this world. That we might consider once again the nearly 500 migrant children who have been separated from their families at the border, or the 10 million children worldwide who are subjected to the horrors of human trafficking or the roughly one in five children in this country who live in poverty, 70% of which are children of color. These are not just statistics or numbers. These are people, children of God, who are coming to Jesus asking for a blessing, for, for the potential in their life to be ignited and unleashed. And they come to the body of Jesus, to the church, asking for a blessing. And so one of the ways that you might choose to apply this text today is to literally care for and consider the children of our time. One of the great highlights of this year in this church is our new partnership with Dunbar Elementary School in Central Tampa. As people from this church work with low-income families whose children are seeking a blessing for their potential to be ignited. We give thanks for Reverend Vicki Walker, for lay people like Kathy Avant and Sarah Jaycox and a number of other people who are part of this new team who are being deployed to serve the children and the families of Dunbar by spending time with them, by providing materials, setting up a school educational garden for them, and many other projects. And if the Spirit is tugging at you today to care for the children of this community, then respond. In fact, this, this past week, we got a message from Dunbar saying that because of the numbers that are booming in that school, they now have to set up three additional classrooms, all of which need to be set up, and they're asking for volunteers to come in and provide a safe educational space for those children. And our team will be part of that to respond. So today, one of the ways you might respond to this text is to go to the courtyard and in there is a table that has a beautiful, bright banner that contains words of gratitude from the students of Dunbar, thanking this church for our efforts. And there at that table is a representative from our new team with a clipboard where you can sign up and ask for more information. This may be one of the ways that you can let the children come to Jesus and see their potential ignited. But it occurs to me that there may be another provocative application for this story today. And it has to do with the generations in our society. 
You know, so much has been said in the wider culture about the generation gap in our culture today. You may be very well aware of labels like builders and boomers and Gen Xers and millennials and Gen X and Gen Z and Gen Y. Wherever you are in that generational spectrum, you know, the old adage of like attracts like really does apply here in our generational dynamics which is a way of saying that we we tend to see value in the generations that are identical to ours. And it sometimes means that we fall into some tribal tendencies and that even perhaps subconsciously we, we disparage people who are either younger than us or older than us. So what if the upside-down invitation of this text is, is just like the disciples who needed to see value in a generation that was younger than them. What if we are called to see the value of generations who are both older than us and younger than us? What if this passage were an invitation into an intergenerational, of be, intergenerational way of being? An, an intergenerational way of interacting with others. A few weeks ago, a student at the State University of New York created a brand new event called Dining Through the Decades, Bridging the Generation Gap. What a remarkable idea. The concept was that 40 people representing all the generations, would get together over a meal, co-mingling at the same tables, with a menu of food that represented foods from the 1930s, the 1940s, the 50s, 60s, all the way up. The first dinner was last Sunday. And over the course of that meal were many conversations triggered by the nostalgia of food. And in that setting, younger people began to learn the lessons from the wise experience of people who were decades their senior. And older folks became energized by the spirit and camaraderie of these younger generations. Relationships were born. Mentoring happened. Reverse mentoring from the younger to the older started happening all around a table all around a meal. This dining through the decades is the first of many such dinners to come. And when I read that this week, I thought to myself, what a remarkable image inspired by this text today. And I wonder if this could be not just an image for the church, but an image for you and me that might guide our daily interactions with people, regardless of our differences in age. To break out of our tribal tendencies and see only value in those who are within the same age range as us. What if Mark's gospel would make us think that to see these tribal tendencies is actually upside down? And that Jesus would have us break through those boxes to see the value of people regardless of their age. What might you learn if you engaged in conversations that were honest and empathetic and humble? 
with people who are different from us. And what might this church become if it truly became a place where all gathered around the same table and that we learn from each other the values of our life lessons and offered ourselves to one another with honesty and humility. What a remarkable image that would be. And what a way it would be to turn the world upside down. Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. For to such as these, the kingdom of heaven belongs. May it be so. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of this passage and the provocative way it invites all of us to see our world flipped just in the way you intend it. God, we pray for the children of our community and of our world. Help us to offer ourselves to right the wrongs of this world and to be a voice for the voiceless. And help us with great humility and empathy to seek the wisdom of all people with whom we come into contact. We thank you for the blessed diversity and talents of all your people as we gather as one. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and let all God's people say, Amen. And so in response to God's word this morning, we invite you to prepare your tithes and offerings, your special gifts to the Florida United Methodist Children's Home, as well as your prayer joys and concerns as we invite the ushers to come forward.